0: Well, uh, today I need to uh, complete a message that I uh, began uh, some weeks ago. We're looking at keys to spiritual growth. Uh, This is uh, lesson eight. I fully intended to uh, complete the message the last time I preached was three weeks ago. And so I really regret that there's been this long stretch... Uh, between, the, uh, between the messages, but, but I trust God's in that and it gives me the opportunity to expand a little bit more on uh, the very final point in your notes. That's all that we have left uh, to cover. So in terms of review, just to save time, let me just give you the uh, major points that we've looked at already and, I, let me, I, and if you have not been here, I need to just push you to the website. Uh, uh, EdgewoodGA.com. And uh, you can see the previous messages there, the previous two on this particular uh, lesson. Uh, But uh, again, we're looking at how to conquer temptation. And we're focusing on five uh, key points or strategies to enable us to do that. And the uh, first there you'll see in your notes is I must gain an understanding of my temptation... The second truth was, then I have to get honest about my vulnerability. So again, I have to gain an understanding of uh, what tempts me. And then as I gain an understanding about that, I have to get honest about my vulnerability. The third thing we looked at was the importance of guarding the condition of my heart. Because it's there in the heart that Satan desires to get a foothold, an advantage point, and from that foothold to gain even greater territory and bring greater damage to my life. And then the fourth point uh, was to go to God in prayer for help. Our total dependence upon God uh, to give us the strength and the grace to withstand temptation and to know victory. And so the last point and uh, what we're going to look at today, which is really the most important point, uh, is the need to grow in God's word the need to grow in God's word and, and again I go back to the fact that I uh, did not finish the message the last time uh, actually gives me the opportunity to exp- uh, actually share a little bit more on this point than I would have had the opportunity uh, if I would have uh, finished the message a few weeks ago uh, please turn in your bibles And and much of what I share will not be in your sermon notes, since I'm having the opportunity to expand. Uh, But turn in your Bibles to 1 John uh, chapter 2. In the uh, minutes that we have left, I just want to build uh, our time uh, around uh, a portion of a verse. 1 John chapter 2 verse 14. 1 John chapter 2 verse 14. And look at the second sentence of that verse, the very middle of the verse. The Apostle John writes, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You notice this description of these young men. He says, you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, it's important to observe that John is actually repeating in verse 14 what he already wrote in verse 13. Uh, If you look right there in the middle of verse 13, he says, I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. So he repeats this thought that these young men have overcome temptation. They've overcome sin. But notice when John repeats himself in verse 14... He doesn't just say as he did in verse 13, you've overcome the evil one. He adds two more qualities about these young men. He says that what? They are strong and that the word of God abides in them. Now, here's the question. Why does John add these two qualities in verse 14? Because these two qualities reveal how these young men overcame the devil's temptations. They overcame the devil because they were strong. But how did they become strong? And don't miss this. This is the heart of the message today. By the word of God abiding in them. That's how they became strong. That's how they knew the power to resist temptation and gain the victory by abiding in God's words which gave them the strength to do that. You know, I think of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, You're all familiar with that chapter. We know it as what? Right, the faith chapter, where we have the great hall of fame of faith. There's just this wonderful list of Old Testament saints. Uh, Many of them enjoyed uh, miraculous deliverances from God. Others had to endure great suffering for God, but the common denominator, they all placed their faith in God uh, in crunch time, and they knew God blessing them. And it's interesting, in chapter 11, there's a tiny little phrase at the end of the chapter uh, that is applicable to every person that's listed in Hebrews 11. It says, from weakness, they were made strong. From weakness, they were made strong. And what gave them their strength? Every one of them confronted circumstances, confronted temptations and trials, where on one hand, they had to weigh the human impossibility of their situation or their weakness, and on the other hand, consider the impossibility of God breaking his word. And they chose to put their faith, their trust in God's word, and as they did, they found the strength uh, to go forward, to resist the temptation, to be faithful in the midst of the trial, or whatever their circumstances were. So we overcome... The devil's temptations by the strength that comes from abiding in God's Word. You know, I find it also very interesting that in Paul's teaching on the armor of God in Ephesians 6, every single piece is designed for defense except for one. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. How do we conquer temptation? Ultimately only by God's word. We conquer temptation by the strength that comes from abiding in God's word. Now think about this. There are only two ways that the devil attacks any believer. Either by accusation or temptation. And the word of God defeats both. The very name Satan means accuser. In Revelation 12.10, he's actually called the accuser of the brethren. In other words, he will try to rub your sin and failure in your face. That's exactly what he's going to do. He's going to accuse you. He's going to come at you with condemnation. Again, to rub that sin and failure in your face so that you will think That you have either sinned one too many times for God to forgive you or your sin or your failure is just too great for God to forgive you. And he will be ruthless in his accusations that you do not measure up. That you are a loser and you always will be a loser. That you're a lousy husband or wife or you're a lousy parent or you're a lousy church member, or you're a lousy pastor. I mean, he is ruthless, and he is going to come at you and come at you and come at you that you are worthless, that you are no good, that you are a loser. And his goal in every one of the accusations is to cause you to lose hope, to lose faith in God's mercy and love for you as sinner. His goal is to plunge you into despair, into discouragement and anxiety. The devil knows that if he can get you to the place where you see no hope for change or victory, you're going to give up. You may be coming to church, you may be going through the emotions, but on the inside you have given up hope. So what do I do when the devil accuses me? I must go to God's word. Because only in God's word will I find strength for my faith. Will I find confidence in God's love and grace for me. Romans 10 17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Faith does not come from listening to and believing Satan's lies and accusations but by listening to and believing God's word. For example, Uh, turn in your Bibles, look at uh, Romans chapter 8, just to give you an example, Uh, Romans chapter 8, I wish we had a little more time maybe to uh, amplify this, but it speaks for itself, look at verse 31, this would be a great passage to go to when I come under accusation and when Satan's trying to rub my face in my own sin and failure. Verse 31, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And then look at verse 33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who what, All will also intercedes for us, now connect that with 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 and 2, where it says if anyone is a uh, child of God and if that child of God sins, it says we have an advocate with the Father, you know what advocate means? A defense attorney. We have a defense attorney with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation means that through his death on the cross, he has satisfied God's wrath, he has satisfied God's judgment, as he took that penalty for us, and we have now been declared justified, righteous before God. So what you, you put all this together and what it is saying is Satan brings his accusations against me. I have Jesus standing before his father interceding for me as my defense attorney showing his father his wounds where he paid for the penalty of our sin and we are declared justified righteous and those accusations mean nothing in the ears of the father. So bottom line, here it is. Are you going to believe Satan's accusations or God's verdict? It just comes down to that. Are you going to believe Satan's accusations or God's verdict? That you have been cleansed, that you've been justified, that you've been declared righteous. See, the choice is yours. And remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, How many times have I said from this pulpit, That God has created you and I in such a way that we cannot think on two things at the same time. Therefore, when Satan begins to accuse me to bring condemnation upon my life, to bring fear, to bring anxiety and despair into my life, I must close my ears to him and turn, what? To God's word, which strengthens my faith and gives me the grace to conquer the devil's accusing attacks. Now notice how God's word is also the key to victory over temptation to sin. Behind every single temptation, and we've already discussed this uh, earlier in earlier messages, but every single temptation without exception is the devil's lie that his way is better than God's way, right? His way is better than God's way. The devil will offer to meet your need or to meet your desires, but in the wrong way, or at the wrong time, or for the wrong motives. The devil's temptation always involves some kind of compromise with God's word, some type of compromise to God's truth. And realize, realize, this is very important, he is a master of deception. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 14 tells us that Satan, the devil, actually has the ability to transform himself or to disguise himself, would be the better word, to disguise himself to appear as a what? Do you know what it says? An angel of light. See, we, we too often think that the devil only operates in the realm of darkness. The devil is at his best in the realm of light. The devil is at his best When he takes the Word of God, and he knows the Word of God from Genesis 1-1 all the way through the book of Revelation, but he takes God's Word and he twists it to deceive us, to catch us. And therefore, what's the way that you beat him? By knowing God's Word. By abiding in God's Word. uh, To give you the ability to discern between uh, his lies, his deception and God's truth. Look at those uh, two verses there in your sermon notes right at the uh, end under to grow in God's word. Psalm 119:11. Your word, I have what? treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Here's the key to conquering temptation, treasuring God's word in your heart. John 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free, free from the devil, to know God's deliverance. See, only as I go deep into God's Word and let God's Word get deep into me will I be able to discern between the deceptions of the devil and the truths of God. And, folks, treasuring God's Word, abiding in God's Word involves four things. And let me give you these four things. And again, they won't be up on the PowerPoint, so you may just want to jot them down. Uh, on uh, the column of your notes there. But this is where it all begins, with a longing for God's Word. I need to develop a longing for God's Word, a desire, a hunger for God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, Like newborn babes, long desire, hunger for, the pure milk of God's Word. Why? That by it, you may grow in respect to salvation. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, the prophet said, Thy words, what? Were found and I, what? I did eat them. And thy word became for me the joy and the delight of my heart. Jesus said in Matthew 4:4, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And do you remember who he said that to? The devil uh, in his uh, temptations in the wilderness. And you know, that is an important point I probably just ought to mention. We talked about Satan's ability to disguise himself as an angel of light and how he tries to use God's word to twist it. If you study the three temptations of Christ in the wilderness, that's exactly what the devil did. He used God's Word against Jesus, but he twisted God's Word. But Because Jesus, of course, knew the Word of God, he was able to come back with the truth and defeat the devil's temptations. And then I love Psalm 19, verses 10 and 11. We read this concerning God's precepts. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them thy servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. So the first thing is I must develop a longing for God's Word. God wants me to become addicted to the Scriptures. Addicted to the Word. Addicted to the truth. And how do you do that? I'm telling you, the more you get in God's Word, the more addicted you're going to become to God's Word. Because you will develop a taste for it, a likeness for it. And that takes us to the next thing. Not only a longing for God's Word, but as I long for it, it must be a learning of God's Word. A learning of God's Word. 2 Timothy 2, verse 15. All the Awana kids know this verse. It's their theme verse. Be diligent. To present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling accurately. The word of truth. Again, recognizing that Satan operates in the realm of light and truth, but he twists the truth. I need to get deep into God's word, study God's word, the whole counsel of God's word. So as he comes against me as that disguised angel of light, twisting God's word, I'll be able to pick up on his deception, turn from it to follow God's truth. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. Proverbs 2, 2 through 5. Make your ear attentive. Be attentive to God. Attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. And that's why every believer needs to be in the study of God's Word. You need to be either in your personal life or some small group where you are delving into God's Word. You are learning God's Word. You are learning to treasure God's Word. So I have to long for God's Word. I have to learn God's Word. And then third, I have to what? i got to love it. There's the loving of God's Word. Psalm 119, verses 127 and 128. I love thy commandments, David wrote, above gold. Yes, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem right all thy precepts concerning everything. I hate every false way. Notice that contrast. As he treasures, as he loves God's word, as he esteems his precepts concerning everything, he's discerned what? Truth and error. He's able to determine what is the evil, the false way, the deceptive way to stay on that path of truth. Psalm 119, verses 47 and 48. And I shall delight in thy commandments, which I love, and I shall lift up my hands to thy commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on thy statutes. In other words, if you love someone, that someone becomes what? The focus of your life. And all David is saying, I love God's word. And I love it so much that I continually meditate upon it. Even when it's not in my hand and I'm reading it. I'm reflecting on it. I'm focusing on it. As I walk through life, as I can encounter life's tests and trials and temptations, decisions, challenges, ministry opportunities, I'm meditating on God's Word. I'm looking to God's Word for guidance, for direction, for course corrections, and when necessary, uh, to provide uh, the strength I need in the midst of my weakness. And then I love 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. You've heard me say this before. This... One verse was the key verse in all of Andy Merritt's early growth. I saw this verse. It was presented to me by a wonderful Bible teacher by the name of Dr. David Johnson. And when I heard him teach on this, it, it, it changed my life. It just transferred from that moment on. And it's, here's how it reads. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and for this reason... We also constantly thank God that when you received from us the word of God's message, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. And what Dr. Johnson presented that day that changed me is at the very end of the verse, it talks about the word of God which performs its work in you who believe. And he demonstrated in the Greek grammar and the Greek text, what's being communicated by the the verb tenses and the different inflections is that the Word of God has the power in and of itself to affect change in Andy Merritt's life. The Word of God in and of itself has the power to affect change in my life. But I have responsibility in that process. And my responsibility is reflected in two key words that I read earlier in the verse. And the word received, you received from us the word of God's message, and the word accepted. You accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God. That, that word received means uh, you to welcome God's word. I mean, it, it carries that thought that I'm longing for it. I love it. I want to learn it. You know, I, 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 I want to receive it. And then that word accepted, a very important decamai. it means that I'm welcoming it into my life. I'm longing for it. I'm desiring it, to learn it, to apply it. That's what that word means. In other words, I don't get into God's word, and then once I learn it, determine whether I'm going to obey or not. I come to it with a submissive attitude that, Lord, I'm committed to obey. You speak, and I'm ready to strike out in obedience. And what I saw that day is the Word of God. It has the power to change this boy's life. I mean, I came out of so much junk, drugs, alcohol, immorality, you name it, I was in it. And I was a mess. And Satan had a arsenal in my life to bring temptation with the past that I had. And a lot of the struggles that I the baggage I brought in my But then I saw the Word of God in and of itself has the power to clean up and change it. And my responsibility is simply to welcome it and have an attitude as it comes in my life to obey it. And as I would obey it, God's power would be released upon my life to bring change and transformation. Folks, this is really practical stuff. Let me emphasize again. I never preach anything from this pulpit that has not worked in my life. I give you that promise. I give you that guarantee. That's why I emphasize so often listening to a message has never changed the first person. It's what you do with the truth. Act on the truth. And I work very hard in these messages to get it to where the rubber meets the road and where you can apply, appropriate this truth. And I, and I come at it with the kind, hey, if it worked for me, God's grace can work for you. And that's my confidence, that's my confidence. So, long for God's Word, and then love God's, learn God's Word, love God's Word. And then the fourth one, most important, of course, is I have to live God's Word, living God's Word. Uh, James 1.22, But prove yourselves doers of the Word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Just because you have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge about the Bible means squat if you're not practicing it, if you're not applying it. John 13, 17, Jesus says, if you know these things, speaking of his truth, of his teachings, you are blessed if you do them, if you do them. So the antidote to temptation is God's word longing for it, learning it, loving it, and living it. Now, as I close, let's get this to where the rubber meets the road. Let me make a very simple but very practical suggestion that has worked in my life from the beginning of my Christian life to this day, which I have practiced from the beginning to this day. Not perfectly, I've, uh, but as I've practiced it, I've seen benefit. I've seen fruit. I've seen growth. This is what I would suggest. You determine the most significant temptation in your life right now. Let's just get it down to one thing. What is the most significant temptation in your life? And then once you determine that, select seven verses that address that temptation. Seven verses. For example. Say your temptation is impure thoughts, dwelling on the impure thoughts, imagine, fantasizing. Within you, select seven verses that would deal with purity. You can use a concordance to do that. If you need help, call me, call any of the other church staff or elders, and we'll be glad to help you, whatever the topic is, to Help you find those seven uh, verses. Uh, maybe your temptation that you're struggling with most is anxiety, is worry, is fear. Then you find seven verses on faith. Uh, say you're struggling with bitterness right now over some wound or, or hurt. Well, you select seven verses on forgiveness. Say uh, it's, a, it's just a critical, complaining, murmuring spirit. Well, then you want to uh, select seven verses on thanksgiving. Uh, Say you're struggling with uh, dishonesty. Well, then it would be seven verses on honesty and truth. And then you take those seven verses and you put them in your mobile phone. Now, if you're like me, one of the few dinosaurs on planet Earth that does not own a cell phone, uh, you can put them on three-by-five cards or or whatever will work for you. and you have 7 verses because you'll have one for each day. One for each day of the week. And then the moment say say I do this, I set this all up later this afternoon and I get in tomorrow and I'm not haven't even hardly begun the day and boom. Here here comes that temptation. And and it it, it could be the area of accusation that you know they just Satan is bombarding you, that you're a loser, that you're a failure, whatever it might be. And then again, you'd want to get seven verses that talk about your identity in Christ, who you are in Christ, what he he did for you. My point is, so I, I set all that up, I hit tomorrow running, and boom, I'm tempted. Take out your phone and go to Monday's verse. And this is what I want you to do. First, I want you to do is simply read it, because again, remember, the key is not getting in a tug-of-war with the devil. We talked about that in an earlier message. He's always going to win that tug-of-war. Tug uh, tug you got to just drop the rope and turn to God is what you got to do. So you, you, you turn away from the devil. You turn away from the temptation. You don't focus on the temptation. You turn away and you read the verse. And then after you read the verse, the second time read it again, but this time personalize it. In other words, just put personal pronouns. Put your name there. And then pray that verse. Put that verse in the form of, for example, say I'm, uh, my struggles and anxiety that we talked about. And say my Monday verse is from uh, 1 Peter 5. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. And so, you know, here, here those anxious thoughts begin to flood in. So I, I get my phone out and I turn away from that and I read that. And then, and then I personalize it. Andy, Andy, is to cast all his cares, all his concerns on God. A God who loved me, who died for me, who rose again, who lives in my heart. And then move to prayer. God, right now, I cast this care on you. I give you this burden. And I trust you. That in my weakness now, your strength will be perfected as I go forward. And then you do that every time. Let me tell you something. You think I'm I'm embellishing right now. And I'm not. There'll be some of you that if you were to practice this, there'll be areas where you'll be bringing out that cell phone a hundred times or more in a day. I know that because that was true in my life. Especially... Early in my Christian life, when I was coming out of a lot of junk, and there were a lot of, a lot of issues there that I need to totally break away from and, and be free from, and, 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 the, and the devil was unrelentless. I mean, he was ruthless, ruthless coming at me, and he'll do the same with you. And, and, and so I don't care if it happens five times, ten times, a hundred times, a thousand. You go back to that verse. You go through this process. And of course, before you know it, you're going to have all these verses memorized. They're going to be a part of your heart and this whole process will become second nature to you and you'll begin to develop that habit that the moment the accusation comes or the moment the temptations comes, you nip it in the bud immediately by dropping the rope and going to God. So that's my suggestion and that's the invitation today that you would do exactly that. And as we extend the invitation right now you know now let's be very clear you know in a a baptist church we all all often think you know invitation is an opportunity for people to make professions of faith and unite with the church and that's very very true I would never want to make light of that Uh, we always want to give individuals an opportunity uh, to proclaim their faith in Christ or to unite with the church and if you're here today and God is moving you to do that uh, please come but also, when we come to an invitation, this is for every one of us. Uh, th- this this begins the process of you applying God's Word to your life. So you, you need to ask, how has God spoken to me as a believer? Because most of you are believers. Well, how has God spoken to me? What, what truth can I take from this message today and begin to apply? It may just be as simple as, you know... That suggestion, Brother Andy just made about identifying that temptation, I'm going to, in this invitation, I'm going to commit to that challenge. I'm going to commit to follow through on that. I'm going to commit this afternoon or tomorrow, whenever your best opportunity is, to, to, to develop that and begin to put that into, into, into practice. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. That's how you grow. So please stand as the invitation is extended.